All right, well, good morning again. If you've got a Bible, please turn over into the book of Matthew. We're going to start in Matthew 16. We're going to look at three passages of Scripture this morning. You're going, three passages? I thought this was supposed to be short. Um, you know, I've been... So we've started kind of a short... We'll call it a series. It's really just an opportunity to look at the character of Jesus. Um, and, and I'm reading... A book called Jesus the Same. And originally what it is, is it's a guy from the, the early 20th century, 1906 and 1907. He preached these sermons and then he, he took those notes and they made a book out of it, essentially. And it's all just a series of looking at the character of Jesus. And so some of that and looking at it has been a lot of what's inspired me to write some of this. And as we go through, and so if you want to go and grab the book and read it yourself, it's called Jesus the Same. Uh, Sam Lang, just all he did is he, uh, Sam Lang is a, an evangelist and an elder within our fellowship, and he found these sermons, reworked them just a little bit to put it in more modern language, and bound it together and put it out on DPI. You can buy and use pretty cheaply, uh, and it's incredibly inspiring. Uh, I, I think so. Uh, as is, but so we're going to be looking at the candid character of Jesus today. Now, when I think about candidness, um, I, it's not always easy to define. Candid, the word candid is kind of often can be said to be truthful and straightforward. Some words used to describe being candid are frank, outspoken, forthright, open, honest. Sincere, direct. And for me, it's not a common word. I mean, it's, it's somebody who speaks with a lot of candor. Um, can sometimes be someone who speaks with a little bit of uncomfortable abruptness. You know what I'm saying? How they talk and, and you, you're almost offended because they're so straightforward. Um, now, I think there's a difference between someone who's you know, just straightforward and someone who just has a biting tongue. And we're not talking about being biting. We're talking about being like candid. Right. You know, and so my goal today is really to, to show us the character of Jesus through his speech and through his actions. Help us understand how we need to emulate him in our own lives to try to be like Jesus. You know, I want to I want to do my best to kind of show this through the scriptures, develop it a little bit. And one of the things that I've been, uh, I've been thinking about is, as I was preparing this lesson is that I've been getting more time on campus recently. Um, you know, and, and getting back on campus has been interesting because I've not been on there a whole lot in the last two years. And for the first time, I'm getting on campus and students are quickly going, you're not a student, are you? <laughs> And I'm like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I don't, I don't even think most of them think I'm a grad student anymore. Unless they're like a freshman and they have just no like concept of, of people aging. They, most of them think like, I'm definitely, I'm not even a grad student at this point. So I'm like, huh. And, and I'll wear like, I'll put on a backward baseball cap and not wear my glasses. You know, uh, I'll walk in and like, trying to be a little more youthful. I'm not wearing this on campus, you know? And so, I'm getting there. Now, I'm not trying to be deceptive or anything like that. I know that I don't look like an undergrad anymore. 
Uh, I don't try to tell students that I am a, a student. You know, uh, my, my goal is just to remove a little bit of what might be a barrier to relatability. Um, and I only bring that up because when I go, being candid is the idea of, of being honest and true. Uh, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm being not candid in my actions, you know, by, by dressing a little differently. I'm trying to be all things to all men, right? Trying to, to the youthful, I become youthful. When I walk into church, I, I wear a jacket because when I first started here, I was 25 years old. You know, it's, yeah, when you're a 25-year-old speaking in a church of, of varying age groups, it's easy to talk to the younger people. It's a little harder to, to be relatable to those who are more mature than me, um, which, amen, for the Word of God that speaks with authority. But I look at this and I go, how do I present myself? How does my language uh, present me? And when I think of the word candid, I think of how people speak or act when they're not being watched. You know, candid camera. Anybody seen that old show, Candid Camera? Or candid photos. What people do. Um, but when I look at this, though, when I look at, I'm talking about in Jesus, the type of candid I'm talking about today is really about the heart and the character of the person. You know, what comes through in their speech and not just how they appear. And so when I talk about Jesus today, I want you to consider the frankness, the, the outspoken, sometimes blunt, but very sincere and honest character and, and style of Jesus, the spirit that he has, right? So if you've got a Bible, please turn there. I'll give you a second. We're going to be in Matthew 16. And I'm going to read several different scriptures. We're going to be in the book of Matthew, so hopefully you can just flip really easily there. But in Matthew 16, I'm going to read these one right after the other. One is going to be interaction with Jesus and his friend. Another is going to be an interaction with Jesus and those who oppose him. And another is going to be an interaction between Jesus in prayer with his father and how he speaks to his friends at the same time. And I want you to pay attention to the candidness of, and, and the character of Jesus. These are only just a few examples. But in Matthew 16, in verse 21, starts here. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hand of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to, said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Jesus, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? 
For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what He has done. Jesus, with His friends, is outspoken, straightforward, plain, tells Him as it is, Get behind me, Satan. That's kind of bold to tell your friend that. Call your friend, your best friend. This is his best friend. He called him Satan. It's kind of harsh. Oh, there. Right? Look at Matthew 23, verse 25. That's how Jesus speaks to his friends. Let's look at how he speaks to those who oppose him. We're talking about just the straightforwardness of Jesus and how he speaks to others. This is how he speaks to the Pharisees. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. It says, You hypocrites, you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside... You appear to be people as righteous, but in the inside are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Can't get a whole lot more straightforward than what you think about somebody than that. And this is just two. He's got seven of these woes that he speaks to them. There's more before and after. Let's look at how he talks to his father in prayer. Go to Matthew 26. In verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. And not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples And said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. 
Here comes my betrayer. You know, in all of these scenarios, or in all of these instances, Jesus is incredibly candid. Right? I mean, and, and the thing is, is, this is just a small section of how Jesus talks. He's a guy who just says the truth and says it straightforward. Um, he speaks plainly, but you see his heart in it. You know, Jesus had a character that could certainly be described as one of candor and sincerity. You know, here's a man incapable of a lie. Nothing was so disgusting to him as falsehood. No other people so got under his skin as someone pretending to be what they were not. Here, Jesus is a man of sincerity and truth. He would speak the harshest truths without bitterness, vindictiveness, or hate. It was always with some sense of love behind it. I don't doubt... I do see that he'd get angry. I do see that he'd speak boldly against falsehood. And, and if you go and you hear the woes and you think, I don't know, that seems kind of harsh, or that seems pretty... Uh, not very loving, the woe part, when he speaks to woes of the, of the Pharisees. You guys get what I'm saying? Like he's, he's, caught, he's like, you guys, you're pretty on the outside. You know what you are? You're a rotting corpse on the inside. I mean, that's what he says. You're, you're, you're full of dead man's bones like, and everything unclean. It's, he's, he's, you're, you're filth on the inside is what he's saying. And I go, that doesn't come across very loving. Um, but if you saw someone so on the path of, to their own destruction and you're trying to say what needs to be said to get them off of that path, Right? I mean, what, what needs to be said? Jesus was a man that's going to speak the truth. And if you ever doubt that Jesus loved these guys, consider this for just one second. Those people murdered Jesus. The Pharisees, the ones who murdered him, while he's hanging on the cross, he's praying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That it was for the Pharisees, he went to them first. They were some of the first people to hear his, his lessons, the things that he had to say, the calling, the coming of the kingdom. To save them first. He died for them as well as us. Right? And so if we ever go, wow, that was kind of harsh, Jesus. It's not like he didn't care for them. He died for them. So, I just look at it and I go, how do we speak to people these days? How do we speak to the Father in our prayer life? Jesus, on, the, on Gethsemane, before, the night before He's going to be crucified, right? He's there, He's saying, Dad, I don't want to do this. Do you ever just tell God what you, that you're upset with His plans? you ever prayed that? That you're a little frustrated with where He's going? You know? I'm not happy, Dad, that you're... I'm not happy, Father, that, that this is your plan for me. Please take this cup from me. But let your will be done. Ultimately, he humbled himself to God. And how do we do in our prayer lives and how you talk to your Father? How you talk to God? 
Is it, is it kind of a rote thing or do you really rend your heart and speak the truth? Right? That's, what, that's the character of Jesus in his prayer life. But I look at how Jesus spoke to his friends. Right? How did Jesus talk to Peter? Now, if you studied out Peter and Jesus' relationship, these are two guys who speak pretty candidly. Peter says a lot of dumb things and then Jesus just sets him straight. And doesn't really hold back. He just lets him know how it is. But that was, that was with one of his best friends. You know, I appreciate Ryan and I's friendship because it's, a, it's very much that way. And, and we have a lot of trust in our friendship because of it. You know, I, but that's just one example of one friendship and one relationship that Jesus has. And how he talks to so many peop- other people. That doesn't include the woman at the well when he tells her, no, you don't have a husband. You've had multiple men in your life. Tells the rich young ruler what he really lacks to get to heaven. He tells a lot of people the straightforward, hard, uncompromising, uncomfortable truth. Because he loves people. And he doesn't, he doesn't really hold it back. That's how the character of Jesus was to speak plainly and talk to each other, to express how he really felt. And you see that with his friends, with the apostles, with the disciples. You see him do that with them as well. You know, what God really wants is for his people, and for all people, to speak plainly, to speak truthfully, to speak honestly, to be people that don't hide um, behind courtesy, you know, and political correctness, but to never be lacking in love and mercy at the same time, right? You know, he wants his people to be a people who speak the truth to each other. I see this because he models it in Jesus. You know, in, in Proverbs verse twenty, or chapter 27, verse 5 through 6, it says, Better is an open rebuke than a hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Jesus said hard things to people to help them get on the right path where he saw them faltering or plainly walking away. So I only have one point for us today. Let's put the can-do back in candor. Right? Let's make something of speaking candidly and having candor in our relationships something that we can do in the church. Our society today is very concerned about not offending someone. Often things will go unsaid. Or dialogue never gets opened because we're afraid of offending one another. This is just in our society. And this is an area of the, where I think the world has crept a bit into the church. You know, and if I can have a, a minute to speak candidly and kind of have family talk, I think our relationships suffer from it. I think our relationships in the church suffer because we don't talk to each other plainly to really express when we've been hurt. 
We don't talk about problems and we don't get to a point of resolution because we feel like we need to present it as this beautifully packaged. My emotions are all tied up and now I can talk. Where we we get hurt and, and we don't share how we're really hurt with each other. I think we need to really talk to each other and change this. Have candidness be a normal thing in our fellowship again. We're, we're not just where we're, we're talking to somebody, but we're talking to the somebody that may have hurt us. And, and getting to a point of resolution, because what does Jesus pray for before he dies? He prays for us to be unified. You know how we can't be unified? When problems don't get dealt with. Jesus was a man of candid character. He, he would go and he'd speak the truth honestly, with love and with mercy, but with words of truth. You know, there are two relationships that, that come out to me in this fellowship that, that I think strike me as being very candid. One is with Ryan. Ryan and I have a very candid relationship. You know, even recently we were in a discussion and I was like, he was sharing his heart about something and we were in a small group and I said, bro, that's evil. I said, your heart is evil. And, and it was pretty harsh. I mean, I was very straightforward. And he was just like, amen. You know, and a couple other people were like, oh, that was intense. You know, Kristen actually was there and she's like, did you really need to talk to him that, that harshly? And I was like, that's just, that's just part of our, our relationship. And later I went back and I said, did you feel okay about that? And he goes, bro, that is why I love you. Because you, you talk to me like that. And he talks to me, he just tells, I mean, he is my Peter, I, I, you know, and, and we have that sort of relationship. Now I say dumb things too. And he now confronts me with those things. And, and I appreciate it as well. But we just talk to each other. The second person that, that you know, who does that is over the last probably eight, nine months, Liz and I have grown so much in our friendship, even with, just with Scott and with Liz. You know, they're an amazing couple in the church. And I am so incredibly grateful for how our friendship has grown over the last probably three quarters of the year. But you know how it started? Was because she had some really strong feelings. And she came over to the house and, and she came to our house the first time and, it, and she was visibly uncomfortable. Like, like hands clenched, like very, like, very, very uncomfortable because she knew she needed to say what was on her heart, but she felt like she really couldn't. And, and Scott, you could tell, was a little like, how's this going to go? And they just put it out there. And it wasn't pretty packaged. But I was so grateful and, and I got to share my heart and they cried and we cried and I got to share the challenges that, that we've had in this last year and she got to pour her heart out and share how we'd hurt her and that helped. And the first time really wasn't easy. You know what the second time though? The second time was really interesting because it, I think we set the stage for us to start speaking a little more plainly and I, I love Liz for this because she does not hold back in what she needs to tell me. She pulled me aside after church. And she, I don't remember the exact content, but she, she put it out there. 
And then what she said was, and, and, and I'll be honest, she raised my hackles. I'm, I'm not somebody that you can get me, like, okay, very easily to come back at you. And she goes, but I want you to tell me what you actually think. Don't sugarcoat it. And I said, are you serious? And she goes, yes. And so I did. And we got to an awesome point of resolution. She called me to repentance. I called her to repentance. And from that day, I think our friendship has just continued to grow immensely. But you know what I love about it? And there's been multiple times since then. But you know what I really love? Is now I don't fret and worry about our friendship. If I offend her, she's going to come and talk to me. There are other people and some... I'll be honest, Kristen and I, we, we wonder, I wonder how certain things I say get taken by certain people. I wonder how maybe I've hurt somebody. And, and I will literally stay up at night because I'm concerned that somebody has feelings that they're not getting resolved about that's just going to blow up later. And it just ruins a relationship. I have great security in our friendship because we're candid. There is, a, there is, I think, a spirit of Jesus where I know she loves me. She knows I love her. We're both in the fight to be people who want to fight for our relationships and unity in the church. And we have a spirit of candor and speaking candidly to one another. It's not always easy to set the relationships to be that way. But it is godly that we do that. Now, if we don't bring mercy and love into these relationships, then that's where we're ungodly. But we need to make sure we're like Jesus. He tells his friends, you are a stumbling block to me. You are, right now, you're full of dead man's bones. Right? Maybe even just our prayer lives. Or with Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane where he goes, guys, can't you just stay awake with me? In expressing the hurt. Because if we don't express the things and deal with the hurts, we're not being like Jesus and we're not getting to a point of resolution. And so this is where I think when we look at this, let's be candid Christians. Let's be a people where we speak with love and mercy to each other, but where we speak the truth at the same time. Because that's like Jesus too, right? You know, I can't speak for every relationship between every person here. But I will say that in God's kingdom and in God's church, there shouldn't be unresolved issues. Because we're a people who are afraid to speak candidly to one another. We want to be, we want to be ready to talk. Get resolved. Be honest. The character of Jesus is to speak plainly. His character is also to give extreme amounts of grace and mercy. Let's do all these things. Let's be like Jesus in this way where speaking with candor is something that we can do. And be the church that really lives as those who speak the truth. Amen.